Welcome to Espresso Talks, your source for interviews with a wide range of unique people from diverse backgrounds around the world. I'm your host, Anthony T. Eaton. So Gary, it is a great honor and it's a privilege to have the opportunity to sit down with you today and spend some time talking about your career and the sound of blackness. I really appreciate it. Can't tell you how much. Oh, well, thank you. The feeling is mutual, my friend, on behalf of all Sounds of Blackness. Thank you. You have been the director and producer of the Sounds of Blackness for 50 years now. Yes. What drew you to that back in 1971? <laughs> well, that's a great question. You and I are both uh, products or an involvement with uh, Minneapolis Public School System. With me, it was uh, Minneapolis Central and then uh, and, uh, working with North High as well, where, of course, Terry Lewis attended and all that kind of So all that background was there. As I matriculated to uh, McAllister College, uh, my alma mater across the river in St. Paul, they had embarked on a very ambitious program to really conscientiously recruit students of color. It was called EEO, Expanded Educational Opportunities. College was very successful in that effort. At one time, they had nearly 100 African-American students and other students of color uh, on campus. And one of the offshoots of that, my friend, was that the students themselves organized a number of different activities, organizations. Uh, there was a political group, which still exists, I understand, called BLAC, the Black Liberation Affairs Committee. There was a theater group called Black Arts Midwest. And, uh, and now this was 1969, actually, so predating the actual Sounds of Blackness. I'll, I'll make that connection momentarily. In 1969, there was the McAllister College Black Voices, which was founded by uh, our emeritus founder, who's also a Texas uh, Texan, a native of Beaumont, Texas, uh, Russell Knighton. So we always give him those props. And he had this magnificent 50-voice choir, the McAllister Black Voices. When I came on campus, he was preparing to graduate in 71 and approached me about assuming directorship of the group. And I was very honored to do that because even back then they were very excellent. You know, the vision the good Lord gave me was to continue the tradition of Duke Ellington. Now that surprises a lot of people when I say that because we hear Duke Ellington's name and we think of jazz as we should, but too many people don't know that uh, Duke wrote, recorded and performed anthems, spirituals, hymns, gospel, uh, blues, world beat as we would call it music, every sound of blackness. And so that template for doing all the music of the culture, we can't claim credit for that. We, we call Duke Ellington our musical mentor. And so that's the meaning and origin of the name Sounds of Blackness, every sound of the Black experience. That is so interesting. I did not know that. Did you think it would be 50 years? That's another great question. You know what? I'm going to maybe surprise you and, and, and our viewers with this answer. In our own naive and uh, idealistic student enthusiasm way back in 71, the answer would have to be yes, because here's what we would do. One, Great, uh, now uh, Professor Emeritus Mahmoud El Khadi, who happens to be the father of the, the great R&B uh, vocalist Stokely, also out of St. Paul Central, across the river from Minneapolis Central, of course. But Professor El Khadi was professor uh, at McAllister at the time, and he is a world-renowned to this day African and African-American history professor. And where he fits into the, the equation in, in answering your question is that he was our cultural and historical mentor from day one. And he told us from day one 
to be more than just a band, to be a cultural institution. And so we took uh, Mahmoud's words to heart, Professor Al-Qadi, and we incorporated it in, in 1975. So we're technically Sound of Blackness Incorporated. We are a 501c3. That's why on our website, we have a donation page and all that kind of thing. That's a prize. Like, you guys are a nonprofit? No, yes, we are. With that in mind, we always thought that to become something that was ongoing, uh, that would pass on to generations. And to close out the answer, by God's grace and by the dedication and sweat of a lot of dedicated members and former members, that's coming to fruition because a number of our current members are actually offspring of original members. So, so technically, this is Sounds of Black, a second generation. So yes, we did actually envision um, you know, being an ongoing entity. And, and the last thing I'll say is we're also frequently asked, did you guys ever in your wildest dreams as students imagine that you would one day travel the world and win Grammys? And once again, the answer, and, and as humbly as we can, was yes. I mean, in our youthful enthusiasm, uh, we would sit around after rehearsals and say, you know what, one day we're going to have our own airplane and we're going to travel all over the world. Now, of course, you know, this is students in the 70s, and we, but we believe and we're going to win Grammys and we're going to tour all over the place. And lo and behold, you know, the good Lord brought that to fruition. Well, I think if you can envision it, you can make it come true. How has music evolved for you, especially for the generation that may not have been around in the 70s? Uh, <laughs> if you can describe how that change has come about. The more things change, the more they remain the same type of thing. Music has always been, I think, always will uh, at its core be very organic. I mean, just the nature of, of, of sound and sound creation that's really a spiritual entity beyond faith traditions and all that kind of thing. I mean, uh, we are more than human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And music is part of that. Music is vibration and vibration is life. And of course, now with the digital and, and technological advances uh, that, of course, have permeated uh, the, the music industry as well, many of the production techniques and uh, uh, methods uh, have, have changed. But again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. A funny example of that is that this will maybe illustrate this even more. Digital recording, which of course is, is the state of the art now, its strengths are how clean, its fidelity, and its dexterity in terms of the recording process and all that kind of thing. But your strength can be your weakness. It's so clean that it loses the warmth of uh, analog recording. And so many of the recordings that we hear today were recorded digitally, but then run through an analog program to give it the warmth of analog of, of earlier years programming, and then finally mastered, uh, you know, digitally or remastered kind of thing. So that's why I started answering your question by saying, what's old is new, and uh, what goes around comes around, just on the technical music production side. That's very true. I think if you go back and you listen to older LPs, you can definitely hear that difference between the way things were produced think to the Motown days, right? The, the wall of sound and all of that. Yes. It's so unique and different from a lot of what we're hearing today that in some instances can be almost overproduced. Yes. So your achievements personally and the achievements of the Sound of Blackness are huge. You've got Grammys, you've traveled the world, you've been on world stages. What are you personally most proud of? Anthony, I'd say 
probably the resilience, uh, the perseverance, the dedication uh, of Sounds of Blackness uh, singers and band. Now, again, yours truly is the only uh, original member, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, much of our current crew are actually offspring of originals. But even in our, our band, as well as some of our singers, we have some 20 and 30 year members. They have been and are the foundation and just the rock and core of this group. So above and beyond, you know, even the Grammys and the world travel, and those are just amazing blessings. And, and we, we do treasure them. We'd be less than honest if we said we didn't. The thing I'd have to say I'm, I'm most proud of to try to answer your question is their stick to to, to drop all the fancy terms. I mean, because without that, you know, it all only happens by the grace of God. And like I say, by a lot of sweat, their sweat equity and, and dedication to this day is something that I'm just immensely proud of. Your work in music and the work in music of The Sound of Blackness has influenced and left an indelible mark on more than one generation. How has it changed you as a person? It's made me, as the chef, uh, what's Emeril Lagasse has the phrase, kick it up a notch. <laughs> the group uh, has made me kick it up a notch. Now, what is it? It is everything that I do as, as a musical director, uh, as a musician, uh, pianist with the group, as a conductor, as a producer, all of the above, their level of productivity and performance has demanded uh, and commanded me to always increase the level of what I do. And so that's what's changed me. Just when I thought, you know, I couldn't be any more intense or any more dedicated or any uh, greater level of work ethic, ethic in terms of, uh, you know, my daily preparation and practice and, and rehearsal and, and, and performance preparation and songwriting and all of that. Lo and behold, the level of excellence that they've established commands and demands, uh, you know, that, that I up my game. That's a game changer. You've worked with some of the biggest talent in the entertainment industry. We've also seen a lot of loss of talent over the years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the most talented performers I can think of, some of them have fallen victim to the pitfalls of being an entertainer, having fame, mm -hmm. all of that. How have you avoided those kind of pitfalls that come along with the entertainment industry? First and foremost, only by the grace of God. Second, knock on wood that I continue to hopefully avoid them. You know, because it's no sooner than you say how you did something that something else comes up. But I think the main thing is, again, by the grace of God, you know, having a, an active and daily and steady uh, uh, prayer life and spiritual center, you know, being way far from perfect um, and acknowledging that the support of uh, the sounds of blackness uh, of my family, uh, siblings, uh, nieces, nephews. And even uh, beyond those that we've lost, I mean, parents and my brothers are, that I know that ancestor energy is uh, inspiring me and inspiring uh, uh, the group as well. That's really, uh, I, th I think, the best answer that I can give in terms of uh, avoiding those, uh, those things. And, and, you know, we're trying to, to learn from them, knowing that, uh, you know, none of us uh, is above or beyond any, any of those uh, snares and toils. And so to acknowledge them, that they're there, uh, to face them, uh, and then to govern yourself accordingly, and then hopefully, as Spike Lee says, to do the right thing. I would agree with you on that. And I think that having that base of faith, whatever your faith may be, is very mm -hmm. important. And also to realize that, you know, none of us are perfect. Absolutely.
One of the people that we lost was a good friend of yours, Prince. Yes. What's one of the most fond memories that you have of him? The two of you were friends for decades. Yes. That's a really tough one and a great question. Let me try to sort that out without uh, taking too long. Fondest memory. There's so many realms, uh, Anthony, you know, I mean, there's, you know, in the professional and, and studio and performance and rehearsal, you know, things happen in all of those uh, arenas. The party realm out at uh, you know, Paisley and, and First Ave, Sheets and so many other places. Prince, for, for all of his undeniable musical genius uh, and accomplishments, in many ways was an everyday guy, which surprises a lot of people. A prankster, a great sense of humor. I have to say probably this. He knew that a lot of people didn't know about his uh, exceptional athletic prowess, especially as a basketball player. I mean, despite his height, he was an all-city basketball player. You probably are aware of that. At a basketball school, I mean, to even make the team, you had to really be good. But he made it and he was all-city. But of course, as he became Prince, international icon, that kind of got lost in the shuffle. Well, Artists and athletes, you know, movie stars, all that kind of would come out to Paisley, of course, you know, to visit where in Minneapolis. And oftentimes, especially with the athletes, Prince always kept a, a, a basketball hoop out on the at soundstage floor. And so some of these, you know, jocks would come out there, I mean, all pros and all that. Kind of, he'd say, uh, how about a little one-on-one? And they'd laugh because they thought his view was joking. It's like, what, are you kidding me, God? And he would get them out there and take them to the hole, as they say. So that was probably one of the fondest, fun memories of him doing that. Is there anybody that you still want to work with that you haven't worked with? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there are several. Um, in no particular order, a number uh, come to mind. Uh, some that we know and have met and are familiar with each other, but have not actually worked together yet. Certainly uh, the great Jennifer Hudson who's just a, a force of nature vocally and uh, as an actress and I mean on and on the great uh, earth wind and fire who we're longtime friends uh, you know with Bernine and Philip and we've appeared on some of the same stages but have not worked together yet and have talked about it kind of thing so and there there are several others but those two just immediately uh, come to mind is there somebody that you admire in the business now? You say, wow, that is the that is the talent of today. The first one that came to my mind is uh, Alicia Keys. She reminds me uh, in this way, let me quickly make this distinction, of the late, great Nat King Cole. And I'll tell you that this is why. Of course, most people think of Nat King Cole, you know, as the just consummate vocalist, and as they should, because he was. But too many people don't know he was a virtuoso pianist. And when he would go uh, tour overseas, and particularly in Europe, oftentimes when he would get booked a uh, Nat King Cole in Europe, the, the promoters would gently say, Mr. Cole, we love your singing, but we really want to hear you play. Uh, so they weren't telling him not to sing, but asking him to please make his uh, piano playing more prominent, you know, in whatever concert or show that he was going to present. That, it, to me, now a lot of people were different with me on this, but to me as a musician, that's how I am with Alicia Keys. I love her voice. I love her songwriting, her singing. She is a beast on piano. I think people sort of know that, but I don't know that they know it to the degree, you know, that uh, her virtuosity. Yeah, you know, that's interesting that you say that because I think another great artist who's no longer with us that falls into that category uh, was Nina Simone. 
Nina Simone. Probably a lot of people know this. It's not a hidden secret, but that was her original aspiration was to be a concert pianist. Yes. So, you know, the times being what they were, uh, that didn't happen for her, but she was still an amazing piano player. So I can't speak to you here without asking you about the tragedy that happened in our hometown with George Floyd. And how did that touch you? Because I know how it touched me. Oh, absolutely, Anthony. Um, touched me in, in, in a number of ways. And I'll try to be as concise as I can, because there were uh, and still are some, some personal connections to uh, Brother George Floyd with Sounds of Blackness and myself. And uh, while I couldn't say that he was a friend of mine, we worked out at the same gym and he worked security for, for one of our lead singers, Jamesia Bennett. There were those personal connections for one. Okay, number two, George was murdered five blocks away from where we rehearse. Five blocks from Sabathney Community Center, uh, right in the heart of, of the Black community in South Minneapolis five blocks away. And so just the, the physical proximity of it just added salt to the wound or whatever phrase you want to use. The other thing is that it was impossible for me to not feel and think of and see this from a historical perspective because it was a lynching. And lynching has happened to African-Americans for four centuries in one form or another. And so this was a modern day lynching in real time, you know, uh, caught uh, on camera or on, a, on iPhone. Uh, for the world to see, and thank God the world uh, uh, reacted to it and, and still is. At the most visceral level, uh, Anthony, and in many different ways, the, the murder of George Floyd was and still is devastating. I couldn't agree with you more, and I was both shocked, disgusted, very saddened that something like that happened in our hometown. Not that I am blind or ignorant to the fact that was and still is a racial divide, but I so expected and thought more of our, our community as a whole. Do you think we've learned anything from this? Do you think we've made any advances? I, mean, I wasn't around in the civil rights movement was happening. Uh, I wasn't born yet, but obviously mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with my history and our history as people collectively. Do you think we've made any advances really? Well, in terms of your first part of your question, uh, I think we have learned things and, and, and not all of them good. One of them you already alluded to, despite under the banner of Minnesota Nice, uh, there was also, right under the veneer, Minnesota not nice. And the realities, you know, uh, of vestiges of, of white supremacy and racism and injustice and inequality. Donald Trump and uh, then Chauvin helped to pull that veneer off and expose it, okay, for where it is. Now, thank God it wasn't everywhere and not nearly with everyone, but it does, and as you alluded to, still does exist. So we learned that. We also learned, though, that people of all backgrounds, uh, and, and Anthony, I'll never forget this, tens of thousands uh, came together, not only here in Minneapolis, uh, white, black, men, women, young, old, every faith tradition, no faith tradition, whatever, were there. This is what, not only in Minneapolis, but around the world. And the song that I wrote in Sounds of Blackness performed for George called Sick and Tired uh, was inspired uh, not only you know, by his murder, but I'll never forget this, uh, Sounds of Blackness, our, our normal rehearsal night is Tuesday. Uh, as you recall, George was killed on a Monday and the first rally was that next day, Tuesday, right on 38th in Chicago. The media downplayed how many people were there. There were thousands and thousands of people there. And this young lady, uh, a Caucasian young teenager came up to me 
and she was proudly holding a Black Lives Matter sign, and, and she apparently recognized you from the group. And she said, hey, Mr. Sounds of Blackness, you guys are one of my favorite groups. And she said, I bet you guys are going to do a song about this. And I nodded my head. I said, yes, ma'am. The next thing that she said really stuck with me, Anthony. She said, please uh, don't make it a happy song. And I said, you know what, young lady, I promise you that will not happen. And no sooner than I spoke those words, uh, Anthony, literally, I could hear the voice of uh, and the words of the late, great Fannie Lou Hamer who of course originated the phrase, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, and that phrase would not leave me alone. I was up a couple of days and nights writing that song kind of thing. All of that, you know, was in the mix for how I reacted, how Sounds of Blacks reacted, and in terms of what we learned about us coming together. Because again, I say people of all backgrounds and all over the world, we're blessed with some fan club Sounds of Blackness is in different countries, and, and one in Germany, uh, we have a president, a good friend and brother, Rainer Lamper. And uh, Rainer is uh, head of what he calls the Germany crew. And whenever we're in like London or whatever, he and the Germany crew, about 20, 25 people, you know, sojourn all the way from Germany, you know, to UK and uh, London and attend our performances. But as I think you probably know, even in Dusseldorf, where uh, Rainer lives, 20,000 people were in the streets of Dusseldorf um, kneeling uh, in honor of George Floyd. And so it was a worldwide phenomena and showed some of the worst of us, but also showed the best of us. I couldn't help but think about how the social changes that have happened in this country have influenced music. Yes. Music has also influenced that social change. Absolutely. And we've seen that yet again. Have you drawn that comparison? Oh, absolutely, my brother. Yes, yes, Anthony. Um, and proudly, much of, of the phenomena you just described uh, has happened right here in Adam, Minnesota. Our dear friend who we were blessed to be on a tribute album, uh, Bob Dylan, the times they are changing, I mean, on and on down to so. And of course, Prince, when the brother was killed uh, in Baltimore, he wrote the song and recorded Baltimore. And I tell people all the time, believe me, uh, had he still been alive, you know, when George Floyd was murdered, what, you think he would have done that in Baltimore and not in Minneapolis? I guarantee right. you, he, right, he would have been there for that. A lot of Minnesota roots in response to that as artists, it brings to mind, uh, Anthony, a quote of the great Paul Robeson, who once said, all true artists have a responsibility to their people. And uh, Sounds of Blackness take that very seriously. Thankfully, we're not the only artists who take that seriously as well. And we were blessed to collaborate uh, with our dear brother from Chicago, uh, Common, who, you know, of course, is an uh, actor and, and rapper and artist. But really, he likes at the top of his uh, credentials to be called activist uh, because he was here, aside from the cameras and all that, uh, at the protests and all that kind of thing, even before we did uh, the one-year anniversary tribute uh, to, to Brother George uh, some months ago. You said something that I think is very important, and I had this conversation with somebody else that I recently interviewed, that activism takes many forms. So we all have a role to play in changing the world, our society, even if it's just one small thing that can make a yeah. difference. We can all be an activist by doing something. Yes, what advice would you give to new artists coming up in the business today? Because it's so different than what it was. It has changed and evolved so much. Yes. Uh, my advice, uh, Anthony, to today's uh, upcoming artists would be a few. One, to remember some words that all start with P. Okay. And the first is 
prayer or meditation. If you're not a person of faith, that's fine. But, but again, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. How our music is of the spirit. It emanates from it. What comes from the heart reaches the heart. So having that spiritual center, again, aside from any faith tradition and being in touch with that, uh, because that's going to help you be true to who you are, to who your music is, and to what your music is saying, which uh, brings me to the next P, and that's practice, to practice your craft daily. Uh, no matter what else is going on, find time to improve, to upgrade, to hone your craft daily on some level. The other P is persistence, persistence and or perseverance, because this industry, uh, I think life in general, and in terms of the pursuit of our goals, is about persevering. Things generally don't happen overnight. And actually, believe it or not, even though we may think so, we really don't want them to. I mean, it's a process to attain and obtain the benefits of that. It's about being persistent uh, and, and persevering with it, which brings me to another P, perspiration. This is not for the faint of heart. I tell my vocalists, the singers and sounds of blackness all the time, singing is a sport. To exercise all of this, the apparatus, this is a muscle. Exercise it every, not only the voice, but your chops, whatever your, your instrument is. So uh, that brings me back, you know, to the first P in terms, or the second one in terms of practice. But it's about perspiration, not only artistically, but even in your pursuit of whatever your goals are uh, in this industry. So all of those P's for sure. And after though, you're set with those P's to uh, thine own self be true. Because one of the first things uh, that the industry frequently tries to do is to turn you into something that you're not. They do express interest in you in terms of a contract or a, a production deal or whatever to try to make you the flavor of the month as opposed to, to bringing out who and what you are. Well, lo and behold, the artists that break out uh, nine times out of 10 are not the cookie cutter, but they're the ones that have really established their own uh, niche and, and in terms of who they are, their, their identity, their music, and then they become the flavor of the month. So in order to be true to yourself, you got to know who you are and what you're about. And so that's why all of those internal kind of processes, I, I started first with my answer, because a lot of times I think artists are, are so busy pursuing the dream that they don't realize that it starts within and all that is self-development, self-awareness that will reflect itself in the music. That is very well said because it's really a journey. It's not a destination. Thank you. And if I could add two more P's to that. To you absolutely that can. One, well, actually three. One of my professors once told me, uh, your passion should be your profession. And so is this your passion? And, and if it is, then, then you do what it takes to make it your profession. So what's coming up for the sounds of Blackness and for you? What's in the near and, you know, maybe not so near future? Well, a few things, Anthony. Um, as the holiday season finished out, we re-released our virtual Christmas concert through the end of the year. As we go into January with uh, Martin Luther King celebrations and then leading into Black History Month uh, in February, a lot of interesting things going on especially the professional sports league, WNBA, the NBA, the NHL, believe it or not, the NFL. A lot of them are, are having campaigns about racial justice, um, of facing this thing square on. Sounds of Blackness have been asked uh, even locally here by uh, all of the major sports franchises, leagues, to be a part uh, of some of those activities. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, obviously NFL, the Minnesota Timberwolves, of course, NBA, and the Minnesota Wild, NHL, um, who's acknowledging some of the hockey origins with some African-American players and outreach. 
Uh, so doing some really unusual things. The group's on a, a little a brief hiatus for uh, about a week and a half, you know, over uh, the Christmas, New Year's season. But then right after, you know, January, uh, we're, we're back in the saddle with rehearsals. We're trying to establish time for reparations as a, another anthem for the movement. Uh, the civil rights movement had We Shall Overcome. The Black Power movement had Say It Loud and Black and I'm Proud. And the Black Lives Matter movement, we were blessed to do a song for that called Black Lives Matter. And now with H.R. 40 submitted by Congressional Black Caucus uh, and reparations really uh, becoming uh, a discussion and a movement, uh, we figured that that needed a song. And so few things under the belt and we've got a wonderful uh, new single that we just released a few weeks ago called To the Sky. And that's uh, features our own Jamesia Bennett. She uh, wrote and produced the song and the video, uh, which is available on YouTube. Awesome. I think that it is so important when we talk about reparations because we must right the wrongs of the past, whether it is the African-American community, our Native American brother and sisters, our LGBTQ people, all people who have been held back, repressed, taken advantage of, underrepresented, We have to change, and the only way we can do that, I think, is to right those wrongs. Absolutely, my friend. Yes, we can't undo the past, and we shouldn't, but we have to really embrace it, I think, as people of all colors and ethnicities and backgrounds, if we are truly going to be united in the world. Absolutely. I'm so glad you, you uh, said what you just said, because it made me think of two other things in terms that were also are, are part of the answer to your previous question. Uh, we'll expand on what you just uh, alluded to. Um, one is in terms of bringing all people together and Sounds of Blackness are, are known for that and we're proud of that. We have another single coming up called Hold Up Your Light, written by uh, our own Carrie Harrington, who's a very talented songwriter, singer, one of our lead singers uh, and our choreographer. Hold Up Your Light, we're looking to release the first part of uh, 2022. And we also have, in keeping with the, the last thing you just said there, Brother Anthony, can't believe I forgot to mention this current uh, EP that we released called The Justice Project. And it is an amalgam of all the recent singles that we've done that are justice-oriented. So it includes titles like, of course, Time for Reparations, Black Lives Matter, uh, Sick and Tired, Royalty, Change the World, and uh, Hold On Just a Little While Longer. So uh, we've got the Justice Project, and of course, that's available uh, on our website, soundsofblackness.org. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, uh, Hold Up Your Light uh, will be coming after not too long. Uh, we're still promoting To the Sky, the, the single I mentioned. So all of those are projects, uh, along with the Justice Project, that we're undertaking currently. Wow, that's a lot, Gary. You know, I'm not surprised given your history and the history of the Sounds of Blackness. I think that you are and have done great work and will do great work in the future and can't wait to see the results of that. I really appreciate the time that you have spent with me here today and can't thank you enough for it. You've been so great to speak with. It's always great to talk to somebody from back home, if you will. You know, we'd love to uh, invite uh, everyone to engage with Sounds of Blackness online, please. We're on all the different formats. Our website is soundsofblackness.org. If you do.com, it's going to go there. So just remember Sounds of Blackness. Uh, That's our website. And we've got wonderful merchandise there, uh, masks, uh, hats, all those. And 
I would be remiss if I didn't say, it's not only just for its own worth. Uh, Sounds of Blackness are continuing to donate portion of the proceeds from our sales from sick and tired and uh, time for reparations and our merchandise, we are donating a portion of those proceeds to the George Floyd Scholarship Foundation. So you can get in touch with us and, and you'll be killing two birds with one stone. Not that we want to kill birds, but um, we're, we're also available on other formats, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, just type in Sounds of Blackness and we'd love to engage with any and all of you. And again, I can't thank you enough, Gary. Couldn't have said it better myself, brother, and all of those feelings are mutual. And again, on behalf of Sounds of Blackness, we truly thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Espresso Talks. To learn more about Gary Hines and the Sounds of Blackness, visit their website at www.thesoundsofblackness.org.